we start the show, plug our sponsors, facebasegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And uh, we got a very hype episode for us tonight. We not only have Andy and Derek, as usual, but uh, Andy, he won a little something, so I can't make fun of him in our usual What Happens segment. Uh, we're going to also have Edgar on the show. His team ended up, once again, it's been... Uh, like the can we even call it a heater at this point? It's just a nonstop winning as he top aided yet another SCG team event along with a first rate nation member, uh, Matthew Dilks. Incredible! So, hopefully, we can get him on to talk. He, he didn't, wasn't in the modern seat, so wanted to, to talk to him about Amulet. Yeah, he ended up being playing standard. So, um, but let's just jump right to it. Uh, how's it going, guys? How's it going, Andy? The the king has returned. Welcome back, Car Young Tom. It's it's good to see you. You've you've grown. You've changed. I have. I've grown. I've uh, I'm not surrounded by cardboard boxes, but yet it's an empty room. And like you said, pre-show, I, I I need to get some furniture and some pictures. But I'm better set up. I actually have some AC uh, set up. So there's more than just like an empty room. So really excited. Uh, Derek, how's it going? Things are good. Just uh, finishing preparing for the PT. That's a brag. Uh, it's good to have you back, KYT. Uh, things aren't the same without you. I can't get uh, roasted by Elliot as much. <laughs> Elliot did a great job. Like He actually uh, actively plays, has his own input, and uh, I thought he did a tremendous job, and, and for sure we're probably going to have him back um, as a semi-regular to, to joust, at least with Andy. But uh, when, when I had asked uh, to create a social media post for, for face-to-face games, I had wanted some input from people playing the modern format as to what might be a breakout card in Corset. Of course, a Corset M19, it, wasn't, it was unlikely that, that a card was going to make a major impact, but Final Nub said, okay, I'll, I'll say Alpine Moon. He was confident Alpine Moon was going to make a splash um, of the card that I, we officially spoiled, the, the card that we got. And uh, Elliot was, was actually hit him. He's like, okay, militia uh, bugler for him. And I was like, okay, we're just going to put that on uh, the social post. And people were skeptical. They're like, you know, what the hell does that replace in the human side? It doesn't replace anything. People were more on the Alpine moon side. But of course, actually, the majority of people thought Corset would not make any impact at all. No cards. Um, what was your take, uh, Andy, before, before you started playing games? Like, did you think Corset was going to make an impact? Like I'm not gonna pretend that I that I foresaw these cards being good. I had like a friend like post the card to me and say, Hey, is this gonna be the new hotness in humans? And I said, No, it's not gonna be good in humans. It looks too slow and drawing a card isn't that important. But uh it turns out I, I may have been wrong. <laughs> so I got I'm gonna read the card for those who actually have not even considered or seen it. Uh three to cast, one white, two colorless. Vigilance 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of the library. You may reveal creature card with power two or less from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, how, how do you even decide how, how many to play? Um, I, I, you know, I've been always pushing for, to get you to play four, search, <laughs> four searches in, in, in any blue control deck. But uh, you know, how did you start? How do you figure out if four or, or, or one or two... Uh, is the correct amount to, to begin with. Well, unfortunately, the human brain can't fully comprehend the amount of power 
that this card wields. So with your tiny brain, you, you start with one copy because you're like, I need to see if this card's any good. And then as your brain develops, you become more able to realize its power. And then you're like, second copy, those, bam, those are the flex slots now. And then, like genius brain, you start playing three copies because you realize, hey, this might be one of the better cards in my deck in every matchup. And then the final form, which I think is going to be absolutely the norm, is four main deck copies, without a doubt, in my mind. I don't think uh, I don't think you could play humans without four of this card. I think this card is a bread and butter glue card to the deck. You start cutting other cards that you thought you couldn't cut before for this card. Like I cut a reflector mage from my deck for this card, and I thought that was like just one of most one of the most important cards in creature matchups. But my my little brain could not handle how good this card was. And honestly, I think it's. It's it's insane how good this card is in all of the matchups that are not that good for humans. So what it does is it's not bad in any of the matchups you're already good in. It, it will just find you more of the things that make you good in those matchups, albeit maybe you could say, uh, argue a little slower. But I actually don't think it's a little slower because the flex slots were all threes. Phantasmal Image comes with its own awkwardness, which is another card you cut for it. And Reflector Mage isn't that good in all the matchups. But what it does do is it turns your like bad matchups into just totally winnable matchups because now you have this plan of just bugling into buglers or bugling into image into bugler or just keep you just get keep, get to keep the engine flowing which is one thing the deck could do is against wrath decks is it could just get four for one then you're dead and then the game's over they pick off the rest of your little guys but now what you can do is you can get four for one and then play two more guys and and even one of the other guys might draw you another card which just keeps it going. You can afford to get Wrath once and still win a game, which before was like the reason these Jeskai or blue-white decks even succeeded against humans was only because of being able to card advantage people with the Wraths. So I think this is a, a pretty big game-changer in making humans even more consistent at, at its game plan. Hmm. Hey, Derek, have you been touching much modern, or do you have stayed uh on your stance of staying away from that format uh i'm haven't really been playing much because I, I thought i was i thought the rpdq qualified me for the rpdq that these pre-tqs are for but i think i recently found out that uh that's not entirely true so i might be picking up modern again uh i really don't like the format and if i was playing uh modern it would probably be uh pyromancer where uh, or humans um, I went to the SCG Envy this weekend, and our middle seat played Hollow One, which is another deck that I'm also very high on that I like a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't really play a lot of modern. Yugla definitely seems sweet, though. It's the kind of card, like Andy said, it's Wrath Protection. You can't really go wrong with a card that stops uh, the, the the cards that are good against your deck from being good. And uh, I think I think he explained pre-show like he he needed to find a two drop for his vial and two. He managed to find meddling mage, which <laughs> after turn three, if you don't know what deck you're playing against, like you're probably already dead. And you find a meddling mage, it's like, oh maybe maybe you just win the game on turn three. Okay, sure, <laughs> whatever, let's go. I don't know, cards seem sweet. Can't really complain about a card like that, right? 
Uh, I ended up uh, winning that game 100% back on the back of the Metal Image. I was playing against Edgar's AMU Lit, and uh, I just named Primeval Titan, and then I couldn't lose the game. Um, I think we had uh, someone ask you a question, Andy, regarding Jerry Thompson's thoughts on it on, on the game podcast, um, and, and you replied. Can, can, can you talk about it on the show? Um, so, so Jerry t- talked about how it should be a four of, right? I think that was his initial thoughts, and he was even mentioning on the podcast that he might start picking up the deck because of it. And I think basically what caught me on to Bugler, I wasn't even going to play any, is I just was going to a PPTQ, and I was like, all right, let's, let's Google what the lists are. And I typically like to look for Moto Grinders playing the deck because I think that's where you find the most tuned deck lists because those are the people playing the most often. And what I noticed is that they're all just playing a lot of Buglers. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to jam a bunch of them. So I played four in my 75, and I think four in the main deck is just going to be correct. I played four in the main deck ever since the PPTQ that I won, and I think it's just been one of the best cards of the deck. It's just a great engine card. It's it's so weird because you're not going to notice how many games it wins for you sometimes because it's just going to like fill your curve. But then you realize that your curve is so packed full on like turn five which is, it's crazy. The thing is, like, it doesn't slow you down that much because if you have other things to do, you'll do it. And if you don't have other things to do, that's the card you want to draw. So so th- that's one of the first things people say to me is, like, doesn't it slow your game plan down? I just don't think it does at all. Can we get the list, though? I mean, yeah. I think uh, we can provide the list. In. It could be done. It could be done. Uh was there anything in the recent games or, or that particular tournament at PPTQ that, that you want to talk about any specific game? Uh, so s- something that, that I noticed with, with Bugler is that it let my sideboard cards have more impact because I got to have like two, so I have two Katakis in my sideboard, two Rex Age, which are just like super important cards to find in certain matchups. And Metaling Mage is a super important card to find in certain matchups. And it let me rely on drawing these cyborg cards a lot better. And what someone had mentioned is actually the idea of playing, starting to play Gaddock Teague in the deck. I was playing Damping Sphere, but Gaddock Teague actually sounds sort of sweet right now because it's like pretty good against KCI because it stops the KCI and the engineered explosives. And Storm is also cold to it, which is another card you want against Storm. And it also stops Wrath Effects. And you can find it off Militia Bugler. What Militia Bugler makes the entire deck better. It makes all your card selection and deck building choices matter more. And that's what you want in your modern deck because you're trying to find these very specific pieces against all these different narrow decks. And this is the card that gets to help you beat these more narrow decks. So to all the people who think like maybe you want to have uh, Kessig Malcontents against these hyper combo decks and not Militia Bugler, you're just absolutely wrong. You want Militia Bugler to keep fighting them on an axis that your deck's better at fighting at. I don't think the damage from a Kessig Malcontent's going to make you a turn faster often enough. I think you deal your damage in sort of weird chunks, and I don't think five is necessarily going to do it all the time based on the way the deck does it. It's damage, and I think the what Malcontent's does is it means that they just can't win the game no matter what they do the next turn based on what cards you find. Is, is that been... What's been the main... Uh, 
you know, we've talked about how you, you've been invited to join these uh, different Facebook groups, and there's even a dedicated one to, to humans. I've seen dedicated ones to Tron and uh, on Facebook. It's pretty interesting. I don't know Derek's face. Uh, uh, I, I, got some, I do have a, a comment about this. I've been so impressed with this Facebook group, honestly. So I go into it having no idea what to expect, like this group of like 1,700 people dedicated to talking about modern humans. And honestly, what I see is just the most amount of interaction and conversation dredged up about an archetype that you could find anywhere else reasonably. Like it's got, it's got to be one of the best possible resources for someone who picks up the deck uh, like relatively new to the deck, in my opinion. Like once you get more ex experience with the deck, then maybe you can start giving advice and you could just like tread through the information a little better. But I think if you're like brand new, I couldn't imagine a better resource than just jumping into one of these groups and having like a ridiculous amount of information poured at you when you don't have a lot of information yourself. Yeah, if, if you didn't know that... Uh large amounts of people rally around a deck archetype on, on Facebook. Uh, there you go. Um, I, I knew about like Eldrazi Tron when on our first ever inaugural episode, First Strike, we sort of, well, not we, Rob sort of trashed Eldrazi Tron as a competitive deck. And uh, yeah, we, we soon found out that there was indeed a, a passionate Eldrazi Tron Facebook group. Um, but uh, Talk to me, Andy. I think you talked to show that some people have a strong opposition to the idea to go uh, to even play a single bugler. Uh, what, what has been the biggest, strongest argument from their side, if you've read any? So all of the arguments point around like the same, the same like relative conversation point, and that's like whether or not you want your flex slots to be Kessig Malcontents to make your deck faster. And that you don't want to clunk your deck up with uh, adding four new three drops to it. But I think what they're missing is, so cutting Phantasmal Images seems to be what everyone seems to be mo the most hesitant about. But that card itself comes with like some certainly awkward situations. Like sometimes it's hard to cast, and sometimes you draw a lot of them and not a lot of other things. So I think th that you, you get to mitigate that with a better Phantasmal Image target and a card that's going to give you more gas in the matchups you're bad in. And I think that's what people seem to be missing from, from my dredging of, of the group, is that this card is making your bad matchups way better and your good matchups not any worse. You cannot ask more for a card. A new card added to your deck than smoothing out your win rate overall the decks while not costing you basically anything. <laughs> you make it sound like there's no... I'm blown away. I'm blown away that. that people don't want to play this card. I'm blown away that people are hesitant to add the third. I, I played three and I'm an idiot for not playing four. I'm just playing dumb. We're gonna add some... Regret to date. <laughs> it can't be, but we're going to ask some questions in the chat because I... There, there have been fans of the First Strike show who, who posted about our show in the first uh, in the Five Color Humans uh, Facebook group. So let's let's field one question right now. Congrats on the win, Andy. Have you tested Fourth Bridge Prowler versus Gutshot to kind of fill the same role, but Gutshot has tempo advantage, and Fourth Bridge Prowler has a body and synergy with the deck. Where are your quick hits on that, Andy? Uh, sorry, I, <laughs> I'm looking up what Bridge Prowler does. <laughs> Fourth, fourth Bridge Prowler is a 1-1 one, one for one black. 
When it ETBs, you may have target creature get minus one, minus one until end of turn. See, that, uh, I think that's a, an, interesting, uh, an interesting card. But I think, so the tempo play of zero mana gutshotting something on an important turn is just astronomical against the decks you want gutshot against. And this kind of effect can sometimes not do the job. Like, you, the, on the draw, you can gutshot their champion after they play a spell. But, like, you'll likely not get to Bridge Prowler it. And the thing is, you, you want to play uh, Noble Hierarch and Aether Vial on turn one more than anything else by an, an enormous margin. So the fact that you have to have this other one-drop that, like, imagine you have a Vial and this card, and, like, they start with the champion, then you get into an awkward situation. And I think just the Gutshot just does a better job at doing what it's supposed to do. I don't think the effect is that good. But honestly... I think it's worth looking at. That seems pretty close to being good. Hmm. Like it. But I mean, before before Bugle, you, a few episodes ago, when when I was on the show, still, uh, <laughs> you were you were hyped about the humans deck. You thought it was by far the best deck, and now you're, you're thinking like your mind was already blown about the archetype. So now you're, you're telling me it's reached a new level. I think it has. It's it's bad matchups aren't as bad anymore, and that really excites me about a modern deck. But um, yeah. So like, the, I think there's like four tier one decks in modern or something. It's like KCI, Mardu, Hollow One, and Humans, and those are the four tier one decks. Like maybe you could give convince me something else if I just forgot it off the top of my head. But those are the four decks, and I think. Those are the most powerful decks, and they all are very synergistic and very good at what they do. And, and now they all have engines because this card gets Militia Bugler, or this deck. I mean, I think Amulet might be up there, or close to it. Uh, so, so the last question about this, this archive, unless people in chat have some questions, definitely type them up, guys. Uh, the mirror match, does that change much? Is there anything different? Is there an edge besides you being ahead of the curve in terms of theory? You're, you're ahead of the militia bugler train. You're going to have four. People are going to have zero. Uh, or, or is that even an edge? Well, thoughts? Well, bugler is, off, is, very, is very good in the mirror because it helps you find, like, Thalia's lieutenants. And uh, those are, like, some of the most important cards in the matchup because you just need to have your creatures be bigger than their creatures. But honestly, I've, cr I've crushed the mirror, and I hope it's not just because of luck. I think it has a lot to do with like understanding when to take enormous chunks of damage to eventually get to a board state where like they can't attack anymore, and maybe you could chip away with a flyer with Exalted. Exalted matters so much in the mirror with like Manus Riders and uh, even the free booty duty mattering a lot. The flying matters, and it's so weird because the card sucks other than it's the fact that it happens to fly in the mirror but that happens to be one of the most important things in the mirror and i'm hyped derek how, how could you not play this deck how could you consider any of the other tier one decks andy how, how are the how, how are the other decks tier one and this is not tier 0 0.5 or something <laughs> because the, the other deck can play like two hollow ones on turn one and uh, the other deck uh, has a uh, absolute enormous amount of removal and the card blood moon which is all good against uh those those kind of decks and um what's, what's the other one and kci is just very broken but i think it's too hard <laughs> i actually have a, a pretty funny story of uh 
my friend uh, Devin Giles, who I think is a pretty competent player and a competent combo player. He has the, he has essentially the loop against his opponent, but it's it's one of the weird ones. And he understands the loop, but he doesn't ever explain it to his opponent and goes through the motions. And after the game, I was like, do you know the loop? He goes, listen, I know the loop. There's no way I could explain it to a new player. Like this player is like barely understanding what's going on. Can you imagine trying to explain to them like, all right, these four things get these four things. And then I end up back here because I'm casting this one drop and sacking all eight of my things to pay for it, for it. So he just, he couldn't figure out how to explain it to people to get them to concede, which is just wild to me for someone who honestly knows how to play the deck. <laughs> oh, how has, how has Devin been doing overall? How has Devin Giles been doing overall? He, he was the original, um, I don't even remember the deck we were hyping at the time. It was uh, the green-white uh, devoted druid vizier deck. Right, but, uh, right. He's playing KCI now, so you tell me. <laughs> I jumped. Man, I was hoping for that more rogue deck to happen. Um, all right, we've got some supporters in the chat uh, over the Bugler. Someone ran four of them at a trio tournament this last weekend and never unhappy casting it. I'm stoked. He's stoked that others like you, Andy, feel the same. Um, now uh, we have a, a, a very frequent returning guest. We've got Edgar back on the show. And, and usually, uh, whether it's the A-team or First Strike, when we have a returning guest, it's usually a decent amount of time between their appearances because they, they, you know, people naturally don't run so hot that often, or we just bring them back because they're good guests. Like we'll have Jerry on every you know, half a year because he's, he's awesome. He's Jerry. He doesn't need to win something, but Edgar like fills both criteria. He's not only an awesome guest, but he also wins at uh well recently an unusual <laughs> high clip. Congratulations, Edgar on your team uh, finishing. Once again, the top eight of an SCG Open. Uh, welcome back to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It feels like I haven't left. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I, with Amulet, I heard your team was playing Amulet, but when we look you up, you were in the red-green aggro seat. So what red happened? What happened? Red, red, black. What happened? Uh, well, my teammate Daryl also plays a lot of Amulet, and so does Matthew as well on occasion. Um, so... We felt comfortable having Daryl in the modern seat, and he he almost didn't play the deck, and I had the most standard practice because of the Pro Tour and Nats, and I had just been playing more standard than everyone else, and we were kind of free-rolling the tournament anyway, so I didn't really test too much standard and just kind of ran back my, back my Nationals list with a, with a few changes for the new meta, and uh, it worked out pretty well, so. Sweet, sweet. Um... Any, were there any much discussion over, over Modern, uh, any of the M19 cards? Any thoughts of them uh, on, on your team? Uh, no, n- none of the M19 cards in Modern. We, we were testing Grixis Shadow a lot. Uh, Daryl was playing a lot of that to some success, but just with every deck in Modern, there's always some matchup you don't want to play against. And basically the night before the tournament, we, we mapped out all the decks we thought we were going to play against and we thought like Jeskai was a wash with the with both decks and like Mardu's better with Amulet and we thought that would be the next most popular deck so we ended up going with Amulet but we didn't try like humans with Burglar or whatever Darrow was pretty set in stone on playing either Amulet or Curse of Shadow Right um, I feel to mention oh, over the past weekend there was also the uh, Edmonton Open face-to-face games.com Edmonton Open again the, the Alberta tournaments are crazy 
we capped those at 220-ish players, and, and we had 208. And uh, the winner was Tyler White with Jessica Control. Living End finished in the finals. There was a copy of Amulet. Vizier Nightfall. We had Hardened Scales Affinity in the top eight. Soul Tie, Hall One, Counters Company. Um, Andy, as, as a former Affinity expert, well, what do you think about this Hardened Scales version? I guess some people are actually uh, on this. I have actually played it, and uh, it it does a really good job against uh, other creature decks, more so than Affinity does. Like, so when Hardened Scales Affinity goes off with like a Walking Ballista, humans just has zero chance. And like regular Affinity, while also has a good matchup against uh, humans, doesn't just have a, a this another free win button. Like it's basically like you trade uh, cranial plating for this card when uh, Walking Ballista wins almost no matter what. To be honest. But uh, I don't know. It, it's, li- it's likely real. I, I struggle to figure out how real. Because when it doesn't play turn one hardened skills, it doesn't seem that good. But when it does, it seems totally broken. Like everything it does just seems broken. And I just recall killing people with Ravagers on turn three very easily with the card hardened scales. And I don't, I don't know. I'm intrigued. And I feel like everyone's intrigued every time they look at it. But that's kind of how people felt about KCI at first. But I, I don't think it'll prove to be as good as that. Um, so anything interesting it happened during the tournament? I know that ultimately in, in the top eight, you tweeted that you, know, you hit what you thought was your worst matchup in top eight. Why did you think that was? Uh, we had pretty... It was actually against one of the teams we lost to in the Swiss on day one. And we had a, an unfavored matchup to unwinnable matchup across the board. Uh, it was Sneak and Show versus Lance, which is worst possible for Dilks. And uh, our Amulet deck had to play against Storm, which is not something you're really excited to play against. And they have Blood Moon in their Storm deck, which isn't common, but makes it even worse for us. And then I was also playing against Black Green Snake, which is probably the only matchup outside the mirror that I was worried about with Red Black. So it, it, was, it was pretty unfortunate that we got paired against them. Everything else in the top eight looked pretty reasonable. It was actually the only Sneak and Show deck in day two let alone top eight, and Dilks had to play against them, which sucked. <laughs> I think, I think uh, Andy and I were talking when you guys were playing your win, and, and I, I think, Andy, you mentioned like Dilks died in two turns or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. I forget what, what match it was, but I, I watched Matt die in like three seconds of total magic, honestly. It was just, at, it was a goddamn bloodbath. <laughs> It was actually pretty funny because uh, while we were sitting there waiting for like the commentary booth to catch up, uh, we're all done our opening hand mulligans and stuff like that, and we're just sitting there kind of chatting with our opponents, and Dilks' opponent just hits him with the, oh, by the way, I got some pregame effects. Do you want to get those over with now or wait until the match starts? <laughs> and we're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> wow. Uh, but, but throughout the, the tournament, did it feel like was it any particular seat winning a lot? Um, was it pretty smooth? Were you in contention throughout? No, it was actually pretty rough. We, uh, we started the tournament off one and two, and it's a 7-2 cut for day two, so we had to win six in a row. And we had some close ones. We had some, some matches go down to the last match, and uh, it, it was close. I, I actually didn't win a lot on day one. I definitely got carried. Uh, I hit the mirror a couple times one of them is 75 card mirror uh and then like lost to some control decks where i felt like i got a little unlucky but then 
Uh, luckily, my teammates were able to pull my slack. And then on day two, I think we all won basically the same amount and managed to slide in. We we started day two, one, two as well, and then had to three out of top eight. So I, I guess it was a pretty rough tournament. We were good at playing on the bubble, I suppose. Hmm. Derek, have you been playing much standard? I know you haven't touched modern, but... Uh... Yeah, I've been playing a lot of standard. Has uh, much changed since since the Pro Tour, uh, since Nationals, rather? Nationals? How much Nationals? Uh, I mean, yes, but I'm not about to leak all our information. Uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you everything that's going on, but there, there are a couple of interesting things going on. Um, week to week, there, there are things changing. I think it's interesting that there's a snake list in top eight. Uh, up to this point, there really hasn't been. Um, but maybe that's just because Vine Mare is really good against the black decks. Who really knows? Standard's definitely interesting, though. It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not one deck rules all. It's there's there's a couple different things going on. So both both of you are going to be playing at the same PT, right? That's happening in less than two weeks. Okay, let's. Ask you how. Let's let's get some Derek here. How without like any details? How, how is the testing process? How are you guys feeling? Confidence level. Uh, this is so. This is only my second PT. This is uh like the the first time I've really joined a team, I guess, to test um and talk about like what's going on. Uh, last time I tested, I would literally just Skype in with Lombardi for like three weeks straight. And we would just jam standard matches while talking about random stuff and draft a little bit. Um, now it's sort of like I'm communicating with people who have been on the PT for uh, a couple of years or so. It's definitely like, I guess you could call them veterans even and trying to relay information. Um, is a little bit more different and difficult because I don't know them extremely personal personally. And because we're only testing, like I'm only testing standard. I don't know a lot about modern. I don't know a lot about legacy. And I have two teammate, two teammates that are playing that format. Um, so, with me not knowing what they're on currently, um, it, it might be difficult for me to sit down at the PT and really understand in a very deep level um, what's going on. So that testing process is also a little bit uh, strained on my end. Uh, I don't know how it is for Edgar because I know Edgar plays a lot more formats than I do. Um, and probably a bit more competitive, but yeah, that's like a couple challenges I'm facing. And other than that, like just playing regular magic, you know, just ready to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota. That that is interesting what you're saying. So you're not really. I can't wait to ask how Edgar's process is because here you're, you're day one, seven rounds of team trios constructed. So it's day two, and so you're saying you're not testing with your actual teammates because they're taking care of the other formats. You're forming some other team that's focused on standard. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, because standard is, well, I guess legacy is also new because of the bannings. Um, the format is, could, is like, can be drastically different. Right. So we have like a a regular testing team. I assume what would be for like a regular PT. Um, and then like for modern and legacy, I don't actually know. So I can't speak on that specifically, but I know that 
the testing process probably isn't as deep or convoluted. It's just uh, understanding matchups and playing a lot. And then like with standards, like building new decks, uh, trying to figure out different angles of attack for metagame purposes, and then figuring out like what the best build is, um, which I, I don't know if that's happening in Modern or Legacy right now. Maybe a bit more in Legacy because of the death rate ban. But, but for you, are you... So everyone else in this team is also... Has their own team at the PT? I have no idea. I don't know if they've linked up with another Modern team or Legacy team or whatever. I, I know that they're playing a lot of Magic uh, okay. online, but I don't know specifically. Okay, so it's just a bunch of standard playing people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. I, I got confidence in you. <laughs> Edgar, well, what about your testing uh, process? Are you, is the FARB doing any work? That's, the, uh, that's my first question, obviously. <laughs> uh, the FARB's doing some work, but it, was, uh, it took a, a, a little bit of time to, get, to make sure that his work was, was on track. He was playing a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, garbage modern decks for a couple weeks, and I had to furiously convince him to stop doing that. But uh, the the past week or so, he's been uh, he's been honing in, and I've been trying to steer him and get him to try some decks. And I think we found one that he likes and that he can play well, and he's and he's winning with. So it's just about finding a good list and uh, and tuning it, and for what do we expect to, to see at the Pro Tour, which is I don't think I think the modern seed is is going to be the easiest for that. I, I don't think there's going to be too many surprises. Um, in terms of the other seats, uh, I left or we left Jacob to uh, figure out standard with his card hoarder team. And I, I've given him some of my input. I think that red block is still very good, uh, but I'm mostly just letting him do his own thing uh, with, with his friends and his teammates. And I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to figure out something good because uh, I have a lot of stuff to do in legacy. Legacy's a, a pretty open book right now. And luckily for me, I got some, Friends who are really good at Legacy, Matthew Dilks, Keith, uh, Darius. We got a lot of good Legacy minds, and we're trying a lot of decks. I've been playing two decks every day, uh, trying to tune some lists and figure out what I like. But uh, Legacy is a pretty open book, so it's it's going to be a tough puzzle to crack, I think. Can't can't say I'm surprised that you're doing so well recently, Andy. He's playing two decks a day, like against each other, like on X Mage. <laughs> The boy, who was doing that, or who was doing something similar? Morgan, Morgan was doing. Morgan said he was doing some crazy self-testing, um, and uh, maybe Edgar also knows about the underground KCI dojo, <laughs> where people test a lot. Um, wow! So a lot of it is it's interesting. So the the fact that you're in a team, but you're each taking care of your own format, so. You're just giving like the input that that you have, but you're letting you know for the most part both both your teams are like letting the person figure it out for for their specific format. So that that's kind of cool. I'm uh, excited to see the results of that. Uh, I like the idea of Edgar trying to get uh, Goldfarb to like play a certain deck. It's like those people who have like really picky moms trying to make sure you marry like a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. You're just like, and then eventually you're just like, all right, let's make sure they have a job, make sure they have income and that they don't live in their parents' basement and you're good. I feel like that's what it's like to, to get Goldfarb to pick a deck. 
Yeah, there are definitely some compromises. <laughs> uh, he, wanted, he, he was asking me to come on the show the week of to, to hype his team, but I think this is good enough. We, got, we hope Edgar and the Farb and, and Jacob, I think you guys will do well and we'll be following you. And of course, we'll be following uh, Derek's team. Man, there's no, so there's no draft, right, Derek? So there's no easy. Uh, no draft. If, if there is draft, like I would. Raise my team's win percentage ten percent. Even if it was a hundred percent, I would give us one hundred and ten percent. There's draft on the PT right now, so like we have a, a team limited PT winner. So. Uh, because you have Gabe saying and uh, no, no, we have we have just Deroot, but D-root. but like between like I'm sure between the two of them, even if you have half of them, like we just win the PT. That's just how it goes. Okay. Well, okay, I obviously knew what your team was. I meant that you had them as part of your mastermind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they would just give me all the information. We would team draft, and that would be it. We could just cut the PTO, you know, wouldn't have to fly out to Minneapolis. It's over. I already won. I'd have a nice trophy like Edgar does in the background. <laughs> so has there been a reason for any of you, we'll start with you, Derek, to, like, draft M19 at all? Nope. Not a single reason. Uh, the pre-TQ format is modern. Uh, draft on Moto is really bad EV. And there's no PT coming up with draft. So I have not really touched the limited format other than, uh, what was it, pre-release? And yeah, I hear it's really good, though. Uh, a buddy of mine, top eight at Sacramento, uh, Marcus Luong, I teamed with him in GPDC uh, about a month ago maybe a month and a half ago and his decks that he posted on Twitter looked pretty good and exciting and interesting. And he has very high praise for the format. So it looks pretty good. Uh, maybe not as good as Dominaria coming off of that great draft format, but uh, it definitely looks very exciting. Andy, have you, have you drafted at all? Yeah, I've drafted a, a few times, maybe like five or six times. And the format does actually seem pretty good. It, it, the. Uh, it seems to me like the white-black life gain deck, when it's good, is just by far the best deck. But honestly, I could be wrong. Like I'm only a few drafts in, but every time I see that deck go off, I'm like, this, there can't be anything better you could do in this format than this deck. Like It, it gets so much value and then makes flyers sometimes, or it like makes the Johnny's Pride mates bigger, or it drains them even more. And like gaining life is like pretty valuable and limited sometimes, because racing happens all the time. So I think that's my front runner for like likely best deck, but not always easy to get all the pieces together because some of those cards fit in all sorts of different archetypes. So, also there's a the red white aggro deck, like the hyper aggressive deck, is also one that I've seen win a lot. Like with Suntail Hawks, Trumpet Blasts, and the four mana two two that makes another two two. Those kind of decks I've also lost to a lot. <laughs> I think um, I I have to mention. Uh a little bit about our spoiler that I, I previewed on my our uh, First Strike Pod Twitter account. It had a pretty sweet name, I think. <laughs> Valdalkin Humiliator. And uh, pull this up. Not able to... Yeah, so uh, four to cast, three, four, blue and three colorless, Valdalkin Wizard. 
Metalcraft, whenever Veldacting Humiliator attacks, if you control three or more artifacts, creatures, your opponent's control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1 until end of turn. People were pretty excited about this card, like the art, the name, and the flavor text, and who will stop me? You? So, pretty cool. Uh, I think, you. I, I forget, you made a joke comment about it. <laughs> oh, right, right. The fact that in Commander, we just, there's all these other decks playing all these crazy creatures with these crazy abilities, and, and for me and you, as, as people that don't really play Commander, this makes it easy. They just lose all their abilities, and we could just attack into them without worrying about any shenanigans. Yeah, it's also good with Walking Ballista, so that's a combination. It's also an artifact, combination, synergy, Commander. <laughs> that's all I got. Words, words, commander, walking blista, primeval titan ban, yeah. I, I got a, I got Brian to, to give a little preview for us, so I'm just going to run through it, because he's our resident casual. Uh, as a resident filthy casual, I guess it's my responsibility to give a small review on First Strike's newest spoiler, the Dalkin Humiliator. For starters, the name's great. Magic needs more humiliators. Just the idea of attacking with a creature and humiliating your opponent's creatures warms this nerd's cookies. Uh, next, we'll dive into the real game applications of this card. It's important to know for all of you spikes out there that Commander is a very different constructive format. Usually a card like this in a standard or modern context is complete filth trash. But in Commander, anything is possible. There certainly are some Commander decks that want an effect like this. There are some Commanders like Sidri, Galvanic Genius, Rhea, Ethereum Shaper, Memnarch, or many others that could be built into artifact creature-style decks that could take advantage of this kind of effect, especially with a Commander like Brea, Ethereum Shaper. Brea gives you access to earthquakes that are in black and red. It's also important to note that this turns all of your opponent's creatures into 1-1s, not just a defending player, which means that if you can use any sort of earthquake effect, you can plague win everyone. Additionally, you can cast an earthquake pre-combat, then attack with this guy, and even get through for that sweet, sweet 3 damage. Also, Metalcraft in these artifact commander decks is really easy to do, especially considering that a lot of the commander auto-includes are cards like Soul Ring, Thrawn Dynamo, Lightning Grease, and a bunch of others. This card is sweet, I think, with the ability to play with your opponents pretty easily, or even just make all of your creatures really hard to block. This card should see some play in these artifact creature commander decks. Overall, these new commander decks seem awesome, and I'm excited to play them all. Cheers. Um, he seems generally excited. I've even had people tweet at me if the tariffs are going to affect like how how much will the tariffs the u.s tariffs affect the prices should they jump in and order the pre-order the commander decks now and stuff like that because there's a lot of hype about these decks there's a lot of excitement and i can feel it um so if you're into commander seems like this is a great product with, with a bunch of sweet cards uh, including this this humiliator card that i think is actually pretty sweet i don't feel so good mr kyt <laughs> All righty. Um, anything as we wrap this show, anything we have to add, Edgar, anything on the horizon for you besides crushing and, and beating everyone and top eating again and coming back on the show in roughly three weeks' time? Uh, yeah, I got the PT coming up as my next event, and then I got a, a couple Grand Prix after that, so hopefully I'll be back on soon with another, another good finish. Yeah, I mean... Just so impressive, and uh, I'll have to find a new excuse to not to say no to Goldfarb, so hopefully you can help me out with that. Um, Derek, 
what's up with you uh, outside of the PT? What's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, it's got the PT. There's not a lot really in tournament magic coming up soon. There's like Providence in a couple of weeks that I don't know if I'm going to. It's pretty far away and I'm not out to uh, fly there. Um, yeah, ma- magic's, magic's taking a backseat for a bit, maybe until September or October after the PT. Just, uh, yeah. Okay, what about you, Andy? What's on the horizon for you? Well, I had planned to like mostly take this PPTQ season off because I'd gotten a new job and didn't want to take time off for PPTQs, and I just went uh, full genius and just won the first one. So now I just get to take the season off and, and not really worry about it. So just, well, I guess, whenever the RPTQ is, which is like the end of August, I think, is the next one. So I'll be going to that, and that's the the next thing on the horizon. Maybe I'll try to make like a face open if they have one in between, but I don't I don't plan that far ahead. I do want to know for anyone that wanted to go to either the Toronto Montreal RPTQ, there's been a slight schedule change originally for some reason. I'm not aware of this. Uh, if they were booked on the same weekend, and there's only a certain amount of also there's only a certain amount of L3 judges. So what what Originally, the Montreal one was booked for September 1st to 2nd, and now it's pushed an earlier, like it's moved ahead. Uh, so it's now August 25-26 for the LCQ and the RPTQ, and will be judged by First Strike Nation member Jonathan Good. Uh, so he'll be uh, doing the Montreal one. And uh, our man, Jason Wong, shouts to him. Congratulations to him. He got married, and uh, he'll be judging the Toronto face-to-face games RPTQ. Love that guy. Um, he actually messaged me and said, like, asked me if I was at the store today. I said, no, apparently he had, he asked, his brother was in town, was at the store, and Jason asked him to ask for me. So, womp womp. <laughs> um, does Rolo actually want to come on? No. Okay. So that, that does it for me. There's nothing new. I've, I've finally gotten settled. Um, we're doing a lot of things, like... Uh, Face-to-face games, uh, really trying to do a better job of, of merging the sites. Now, we had some migration issues between magicdeprive.com and magic.facefacegames.com. Now it's completely migrated, and it looks like I didn't have to do anything to any of the podcast feeds because the old ones still work, so it's redirecting properly. And I'm excited to just change up the, the front page of Face-to-Face Games that to feature more articles, more podcasts that we are going to have on magic.facefacegames.com. But you guys should definitely uh, check that out because Keep Capstick actually puts out a lot of edits and puts out a lot of articles that, that come from people in, especially in the Toronto area. Um, before we end the show, we've got to shout out our, our first straight nation producers, Jonathan Good, Jay Thomas Season, Sasha Papo, Derek Pai, and Matthew Kelly. Uh, thank you so much. And everyone in the first straight nation for continuing to contribute and make it so that we can keep doing this show. I think that's it for us. A short show for us. I'm getting hot because I can't turn on the ac or the fan or else it's going to go nuts in here um yeah and for andy edgar Derek, and i i hope you like the show lots of if you just tune in lots of good modern content from andy on how to crush with five color humans on your upcoming tournament seems like people should just grind that for the most of the season so or you should play what about your, your amulet deck edgar should people play that uh probably not to be honest <laughs> it's it's 
less good right now than it used to be. There's a lot more linear decks, and you don't get as many free wins with there being Tron around and people having more uh, land destruction hate in the sideboard. So I, I would say that it's probably not... People are going to get discouraged if they pick it up now, uh, because not only is it hard to learn, you're just going to get Blood Moon and Stone Rain a lot. So let's keep it on the back burner. It's it's time to shine. We'll we'll be back again soon. Um, fine. I, Militia Bugler to me is like my it's like my chupacabra. Can't really say it properly, and uh, don't fault people for saying five colored burgers. <laughs> The new name. Okay, thanks guys in chat. And if you have any questions, you can tweet at First Strike Pod on Twitter or just you know, leave a comment on the First Strike Podcast Facebook page. So see you guys next time. Bye guys.